This is the last week of our teaching series, um, Momentum, Moving Forward with Faith. And I think it's been really good. It's been really neat. This last week, I thought, what better way to end the week? I have something that I want to share for sure. But what better way to end the week or the end of the series than with a few testimonies, a couple of testimonies particularly? You guys be okay with that? All right. Well, I want to invite Brian Lackey, first of all. Uh, the Lord has really done a work in my heart, and it, it started, I guess, about 14 months ago. And I had the opportunity to share this with our small group Wednesday night, so sorry, guys, you got to listen to it again. But um, I, um, about 14 months ago, uh, the Lord had to really break me. And um, I came to a point where I realized that the stuff that was going on in my life, I couldn't fix. And um, I was really prideful and um, just, just at that time in my life, I felt like I could handle anything, do anything on my own. I didn't need anybody, any, any help, certainly didn't need God. And, uh, and he broke me and he, he made me realize that Yes, mister, you do need me. And um, there was something going on that I, I just couldn't fix. And uh, it, it woke me up. And it made me realize that although I, I thought I was a Christian, I'd made a profession of faith at eight years old, but there was no fruit in my life. And um, so that was the, the turning point. And I, I really started uh, reading the Bible and, and, and getting into it and, and praying on a regular basis. And and God started showing me a lot of things. And um, through uh, some friends, giving us some books and stuff, uh, one called The True Vine, um, it just really spoke to my heart and, and just, just reinforced the fact that, you know, Jesus is the vine and, and we're the branches. And what is our job as a branch? It's to bear fruit. And, and that's it. And... Um, when it talks about abide in me, um, that means just turning everything over to the Lord and letting him do the work and not relying on ourselves. And so I was so far the other direction. Um, you know, this was brand new for me. And uh, then this Israel thing comes up. And so in the past, I've, I've been very protective of my family and, you know, not want to, to do anything to put them in harm's way and we're going to the Middle East and, and that kind of thing. Um, it's a little bit scary. And, um, but again, the Lord said, are you going to abide in me? And um, so, again, another book, uh, God's Promises and the Future of Israel. It talks about how when God's promises and God's timing intersect, there's a suddenly that happens. And at that point, God's looking for people in a certain generation to join in his plan. And I realized that that's us. I mean, that's, that's our family. That's this church. And um, so I started getting really excited about it and, uh, and, and wanting to go. And so we kind of ventured out in faith and got our passports. And, but yet there's all this money, you know. It's a lot of money to go take six people over there. But again, God said, you know, are you going to abide in me and let me take care of you? Uh, 
I'm a physical therapist, and I was treating a patient, and um, I'd met him for the first time, and, and, and we were talking, and I realized he was a believer, and he had been doing some, um, some work in prison ministry. And so I just mentioned to him that, you know, we're going to go this summer to Israel and uh, have an opportunity to serve, you know, some of the Holocaust survivors and that sort of thing. And he was really encouraging me. And then about a couple hours later, he comes back. Can you help me with this? And you're not going to be able to see this really well, but I can kind of, yeah, go ahead and take it out. He brought me this, this picture. And um, Tony's going to hold it up, and I'll just kind of describe it to you. Right here, there's what appears to be a, a Jewish man sitting down under a tree. And there's, a, there's a, some water here, a brook or something. And you can see this big, beautiful tree here. And he's reading a scroll. And what this says, it's, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalms 1, 1, 2, 3. So it's almost like the Lord took all this stuff and wrapped it up, tied it in a bow with this picture. And if you, if you look at this, I don't know if you can see from where you are, but you see all the trees up here? Does anyone see what this is right here? It's the face of Jesus looking down on the man. And then up in here is a, is a dove, the Holy Spirit. So the Lord just keeps blessing me over and over and over again in just ways I, I can't describe. Um, just to kind of wrap this thing up, out of the blue last week, um, my boss's boss comes up to work and tells us we're all getting raises. So, you know, it wasn't planned. So just want you to know that the Lord is good and that he provides. And all we need to do is have faith. Isn't that encouraging? You know, not to, not to bring too much negative attention to that, this part of um, Brian's story, but I don't know if you noticed, but made a profession of faith when he was eight. And all these years later, I mean, how old are you now? Like 27? You know what I mean? All these years later, you realize there's no fruit. There's no fruit. And the Lord spoke to him. And through the process of that, really came to know the Lord, really surrendered his whole life. And uh, if you've gotten to know Brian yet, hopefully some of you have, hopefully all of you will, you'll know that he and his family are all bearing quite a bit of fruit lately. And so... It's, just, it's exciting. So hopefully that speaks to you. I'm going to have, um, I don't know where she's at. Where are you at? Bethany, are you here? Yeah. Bethany Lindsay. You guys know Jacob, her husband. So Bethany, you want to share with us? I want to start off with saying um, that Satan did not want me to come up here tonight. He um, attacked me and several different ways today, and uh, Jacob can attest to that, but um, that just gave me the boost that I needed to uh, get my buns up here, so, um, okay, um, ladies, if y'all keep up with the Tosfilos, uh Facebook group, um, you know that 
a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, I shared about one of my sisters, Brandy, whom uh, is my best friend and um, whom we've we've really recently gotten really close um, together and walked through some really hard stuff. We lost our mom. Um, I mean, I have three sisters, but we just really got got close uh, when I lost my mom two years ago. Um, but she has been in a an eleven year uh, relationship toxic relationship um, verbally abusive um, everything from what the food that she ate she got abused about um, and she knows the Lord she's known the Lord since she was a child but um, not until my mom we found out my mom was sick with cancer did she really start um, seeking the Lord in a real way and he began changing her there was one part of her life that my husband and I and the rest of our family we prayed into and we prayed into and and I even asked the Lord why why is this not changing I see so much um so much else in her life that's changing why why is this not changing it's a huge deal and and um anyway she came to me maybe a month ago and said I can't carry the burden any longer. I have to stop. I have to, I have to let this go. I have to cut it off. I know the promises that are on the other side of it, and the Lord is saying, this is in the way. I've got to stop. And, um, well, the, the relationship that she was in uh, was with a woman. And um, her whole life, she, she knew, she thought she knew she was born gay. She, was, um, she sought this, this life with everything that she had, but the Lord... He intervened, and um, apparently he's been speaking truth in her life for uh, years. And it, this has just come about that um, that she realized that the relationship had to, to to come to an end. And and she thought it was just the relationship at first. And she dug a little deeper. She went to her pastor and talked to her pastor about you know, well you know I thought I thought that marriage was you know equal marriage between a man and a woman equal as a marriage between a woman and a woman, and that's the way that she viewed her relationship. And and she knew in her heart she was just in denial, but as soon as she found the truth, um, that's when she finally spoke to me about it, and I'm the only one that she has confided in. And um, anyway, she has uh, left the relationship, praise God, and, um, and the Lord is speaking truth into her life about lies that she's believed from, from a child as she was sexually abused. She was preyed upon by a pedophile. I mean, it's a miracle. It is a miracle that we're here. And I can't believe that in my lifetime that I'm seeing, seeing these things. My mom had a vision before she passed that she was walking down the aisle with her husband. And sorry. And, um, she just told me last week that she wants to get married and she wants to have children of her own. And, and I never thought I'd hear that from her from her mouth, and it's just a miracle, and I can't believe that God's allowing me to be a part of it. Isn't that good? You know, God's not out of business, is he? When I was a youth pastor, I may have told this story before, but when I was a youth pastor, once a week I would go up to the junior high, hang out with the junior high kids, have lunch, meet their friends and, and uh, just try to love on them. And uh, I would go to the high school once a week and do the same thing. And I remember one day I went and I was sitting with a, 
a group that I didn't even know any of them. Really, I just sat down and started introducing myself, and they're all like, who are you? <laughs> are you new? <laughs> no, but thank you. <laughs> you know? One of the kids had written on their arm um, in red ink, God is dead. And I remember I, I almost couldn't stop looking at it. You know, I tried not to be obvious, like, you know. Another guy was, had a ketchup thing and was spewing it on the, on the plate and all over. And was saying, look, Jesus' blood, look, Jesus' blood. And just such a mockery of our God and his son and the whole shebang. You guys know what I mean? I say that because God's not dead. And he's not out of business. He hasn't gone on vacation. He hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't given up on us. Amen? The culture around us may be saying, no, this whole God thing's a farce in different ways. But God's not dead, you guys. And I love these two testimonies. I asked them personally if they would share. The truth is, is I know a lot of things that are going on, good things, great testimonies that are going on in, in a lot of people's lives. And I believe God is moving and stirring the hearts of the people here at Soma Church. Amen? And I'm excited about it. I had something I was going to share just briefly. And I, during worship... The last song, just like God's done about every week, <laughs> the Lord wanted me to, I feel like the Lord would have me share something else. And uh, it was confirmed when Nick, wherever he went, when Nick came up and shared. And um, it's just the simple gospel. Can I just remind us about the simple gospel and the amazing power of God's grace? Can I do that? Would that be okay? I mean, that kind of has to do with faith, you know what I mean? When you look at the book of Romans, and, I, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I'm a pastor, and I was a youth pastor for a long time. I've never memorized the Roman road. You guys know what I'm talking about? Can you believe that? Like, I'm out of here. He hasn't been. I've never memorized the Roman road. If you don't know what the Roman road is, the Roman road is scripture specifically taken out of the book of Romans that can lead someone through the process of who God is, who we are, what Christ has done, and the way we can become saved. And um, I just wanted to walk through it real quick. Can we do that? One of the first things it talks about and, and opens up in the book of Romans, and for quite a while, actually, it just talks about how wretched we are. You know? Just how, how sinful we are, how bad we are, how what Adam and Eve did in the garden gave us a sin nature, and we are just sinful you guys know what I'm talking about? You ever read it? Read, read the first couple books of the Bible. And, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. Right? Then you move over to chapter 5. And it says, but. You're, you're, you're pretty wretched. Right? Pretty wretched. But. God demonstrates his love for us in this. This is how he did it. While we were still wretched, while we were still sinners, Christ did everything that we've heard he did. Christ died for us. 
Isn't that good? The blood that he shed on the cross literally had the power, has the power to wipe away our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In fact, it says in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin, no remission, no forgiveness of sin. Jesus' blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we will confess that he is Lord, believe in our heart that he is the Son of God, confess that he is Lord, believe, follow him. There's, I use the word appropriation a lot of times. We appropriate. That Paul uses the word um, propitiation one time. It was a big churchy word that basically just means, I'll take that. Just wipe yourself all down. With the, you know, that he cleanses us with his blood. I've told this story before. I did worship, interim worship for a, a church plant one time in the DFW area. It's called, well, I won't say what it's called. But um, it was a seeker-friendly church. You guys know what I'm talking about, seeker-friendly? In other words, we're trying to be friendly to seekers. Duh. And so I'm up there. It's all about the blood, singing about the blood. There's not a song like that. I'm just improvising here in the moment. You know, but what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. You know, all those songs, blood, blood, blood. I'm singing about the blood all the time. Remember that? I sung about the blood all the time. And the pastor, great guy, honestly. He's like the most, the gift of encouragement. You're like, okay, you can stop encouraging me. Really encouraged. Really, really encouraging guy. <laughs> I'm too encouraged right now. But he asked me if I would stop singing songs about the blood. Because it might be offensive to the seekers coming in. Now, I didn't punch him. I just said, you know, I don't know that I can do that. And we had some conversations, and I laid there for a little while longer and, uh, and moved on. But you guys, Jesus came and went through. the joy For the joy set before him endured the cross so that he could shed his blood. Because the blood, his blood, is the only thing that would make us right with God. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I know this is simple, and I know you know this. But it's a good reminder. One of the reasons I want to bring that up is because there's this, there's this theme that I keep hearing um, in, in several different circles and, and ways that we are just no good. That you're no good. That you're still wretched. That you're still just ugly, wretched, worthless. That's what I'm talking about. That's just not what the Bible says. You're just a sinner. Saved by grace, but you're just a sinner. And I don't mean to get facetious and mocking here. But it's kind of hard not to because that's not what God's word says. You can get into all kinds of scriptures about where we are no longer called sinners if we've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. It says that we've been brought near by the blood of the Lamb. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was far away, but now I'm close because of the blood of the Lamb. I once was a sinner, now I am a saint. Not as in St. Tony of the whatever, you know, that I have reached some sort of status and I should wear some sort of cool hat that claims so. But my position 
in Christ is that I am no longer way off in the dark netherlands of the universe where I was. But I am in his presence all the time. That's why scripture says I can boldly approach the throne of what? Grace with confidence. I don't do it flippantly. I do it reverently, and I'll talk about that in a second. But I, I have free access to the presence of the Lord. Why? Because I'm a saint. That doesn't sound like someone who is worthless and someone who can't do good. I've heard that too. You, you shouldn't say that you are good or that you do good because only God is good. How are you doing today? I'm good. Oh, no, only God's good. Okay. You're going to be correcting a lot of East Texans with that one. I'm all right. I'm good. How are you? But even that's not true. He talked about bearing fruit. Someone that is in Christ, abiding in the vine as a branch, will bear. Scripture says what kind of fruit? Good fruit. And if you're not connected to the vine, what kind of fruit does it say you will bear? Bad fruit. Well, I'm connected to the vine. Now, there's days where I may not be as connected. But eternally, positionally, I'm connected to the vine. So I have the ability, if you will, to say good, to do good, to be good. Why? Because he's good. One of the ways I say it, is that before God was looking at me and he saw the sinner. He saw the wretched. That's who you are. And man, I sure wish you would come close to me. I know. I'll send my son to die on the cross. And he shed his blood. And now when he looks at me after I've appropriated, after I've cried out and said, Christ, save me. God, save me through your son. All that stuff. Now, as he looks through me, he's a different lens. He's looking at me through the blood of of Jesus. Why do I say that? Because the truth is, is though I'm a saint, sometimes I still sin. Most of Paul's writing is, is um, preaching and writing on what, what we would call sanctification, the process of us becoming more and more and more like Christ. I look way more like Christ than, than the day I got saved. How about you? I mean, come on. How about you? Well, that means that you are a little more sanctified than you were that day. You're a little more um, holy. Are you holier than now? <laughs> Some are like, <laughs> he's holier. You know, no, it's not what I mean. But that's what Jesus said. I want you to be holy as my Father in heaven is holy. You can't do good. Only God is good. That's not right. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It goes on to say that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means, and I think this is where Nick comes in with what he said about how the accuser is sitting there trying to condemn, trying to accuse, trying to remind you of who you were. God steps in and says, who do you, you don't think I would know who, my, who I've rescued from the fire? Yeah, he's a little, you know, I preached a message on that several weeks ago. I don't know if y'all remember that. Go back and listen to it. It's like, I got this. You, you hush. And in fact, the angel of the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you. The enemy's coming in. And I think more than ever, the enemy is using people to bring condemnation upon the saints. 
You may be here and you feel like junk all the time because you feel like you just can't meet the God quota, that you just can't be good, that you just can't do good, and that you're just worthless. Listen, if you are a born-again Christian, then you, let me say it this way, you are worth something. You're not as worthy as the Lamb, (laughs) but you're worth something because of the Lamb, because of the blood of Jesus. There is there for now no condemnation. If you are in Christ, then you don't have to say, I'm still this, I'm just still that. No, we're just kind of moving forward. See, I brought the series in. Moving forward with faith. I brought it in. There we go. But we're moving forward. Paul says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of the upward calling of Christ Jesus. So much of what he talks about is is that battle between the old man and the new man, the flesh versus the spirit. But he tells us, if you, you walk by the Spirit, your life's going to be way different. In those moments when you don't, it's okay. Because His grace is sufficient. In those moments when we are not shining as bright as the star that we ought to, it's okay. Remember when Paul said, listen, my advice, don't sin take it from me don't sin remember he said i'm the chief sinner paul i wouldn't sin if i were you but then he goes on to say but if you do it's all good because we have an advocate who goes before the father and pleads our case and he's talking about jesus isn't that good if you're in christ jesus there's no condemnation for you why because christ doesn't condemn you And he's the one we should be worried about. Now, the enemy is condemning, but the enemy has been overcome. Jesus conquered the grave, conquered the grave. We sing those songs, do we really know what they mean? Sin, death, and the grave no longer have a sting for us who are born again. Isn't that good? This is just a general reminder, right? It's a reminder, but... But for some of us, this is going thick to the heart because of how junky you have felt as a believer. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel conviction. Because remember what Paul says, yeah, God's grace is good. It abounds every day. His mercies are new and his grace abounds. It's good. No condemnation. It abounds. But because God's grace abounds, what? We should go on sinning because God's grace is going to cover it? He says, for heaven's sake, no. He doesn't say it that way, but I did. He's like, no. In fact, he says, by no means. You have the other side of that camp. Everybody's worthless camp. And over here where everybody's just free in Christ. Just free in Christ. Man, I'm just free in Christ. Christ has set me free and I'm free indeed. And that's why I do all these things that (laughs) don't look a whole lot like Jesus. But man, I'm free in Christ. God's grace. Listen. Paul said, what shall we say then, brothers? Because God's grace abounds, should we keep on sinning? Or should we go on sinning? He says, by no means. Melissa and I talk a lot about, especially Melissa, she says a lot about how God's grace is actually the power to accomplish God's standards. His grace isn't permission to sin. It's the power 
to walk away from sin. Amen? You want to be a, you want to be a, um, um, you want to walk in God's grace? Walk away from sin. Amen? I think this is really important for us because culture is really shifting the gospel message culture maybe denominations maybe what are things that are even under the under the umbrella of christianity the message is no longer just that pure and simple message of the cross that paul talks about paul says It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. To live is Christ. To die, even better, because I'll be with him. I mean, you guys, isn't this good news? And we're hearing hearing the story of Brian, how God demonstrated his love for him in this. That while he was being a goofball, God said, I love you. He broke him a little bit but so that he could build him up and bear fruit. We're listening to this story of, uh, of Bethany's sister, who's, you know, got an interesting, an interesting view of life, an interesting view of, of um, romantic relationships, a view that really doesn't line up with God's word. And there are a lot of Christians that would just say, but God's like, oh, hush, I'm trying to demonstrate my love for her. In this, and show her the gospel. And you guys, he was faithful to show her the truth. Do you know how many people would love for that revelation? Well, I don't know if they would or not. But that revelation of God's love. And he's doing it. And the old person is, is, is passing away. And what is the... Can we just say we'll believe together that she will walk down, down the aisle with a husband one day? Can we say that in faith? And there's things that that you probably need to begin speaking out in faith. Like, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. You know, for all these years, in fact, I think in in the first email where you were writing and, and, and telling me about this, she admitted she'd kind of stopped praying about it. Kind of just gave up. That'll that'll just never happen. Isn't that what you said? I'm not selling you out, am I? But it's the truth. And she's not the only one that has done that and felt that way. Am I, am I right? <laughs> the good news is that even when we're faithless, God's love is the one that's doing all this. He loves your sister more than you do. And he sent his son. I love it when Paul says, well, have you shed blood? Have you shed blood for all this? Have you done what Jesus did? No, you haven't, so hush. God's got it. Let's stand. Bringing us back to that announcement. How many, how many people, friends, family, coworkers, students, um, you know, baseball team, soccer team member, friends, I mean, how many people do we know that need to know how much God loves them? that need to come to know the Lord, that need the gospel message to be appropriated to their life. You know, it used to be, for the church, it used to be, 
Let's go out and share the love of Christ with those who, um, who don't know Christ. But now, almost an equal level of effort has to be put forth to bring those who truly have been bought by the blood of the Lamb back into the church. Because they've been so hurt, so put off, so judged, so manipulated and controlled. The list goes on of how people have been treated. So no longer, you guys, is this just about reaching the lost. It's trying to reach out and bring those who are part of the body back into the body. Again, a great practical way of doing it is just go tell your friends. We're going to be talking about family. You, you could use some help, maybe. You know? I notice you've been smacking your husband around. Whatever, you know what I mean. I'm just being silly. So here's what I would love to challenge us to do over the next couple weeks until we start that. I want to challenge you to, to bring some people because the gospel needs to be shared. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this specifically next week. But begin, I want you to begin praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. What does it mean to fast? To fast is to not eat of something that you enjoy, maybe not eat anything for a period of time where you are seeking the Lord about a certain thing, okay? Our first and foremost desire is just to connect to God deeper. But we can also believe that he's hearing our prayers and the effort we put forth that, you know, it's the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man. Effectual, fervent. I'm, I'm even fasting and praying about this accomplishes much. Amen? Just begin praying and fasting. Fasting and praying. Maybe you take a day a week. Maybe Tuesdays you just don't eat. Well, I could never do that. Okay. Don't eat breakfast. I could never do that. Okay. (laughs) You've got issues. (laughs) You guys hear my heart? So let's be praying over the next couple of weeks. Be praying that the people you would invite would come. Be praying that what the Lord would allow me to share about husbands, dads, moms, wives, uh, kids would be anointed for, for their ears and for ours too. Amen.